Well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? Man, it's good. It's good to be back. For those who have never met me before, let me introduce myself. My name's Rob, and I hope if I, if I haven't met you before, I'd love... Hi. And I would like to... Uh, it's good to see you guys. It's good to see you. Good to see you. Um, if I haven't met you before, I, I would love to shake your hand and meet you. Um, um, this is my home church. Um, uh, the, a home church is a specific term that, that us ministers like to use. Um, a home church is a church that, that disciples and sends out uh, somebody to go do ministry. And it's always good to go back, and it feels like home because the people are still there, and they're still doing ministry, and they're still sending people out. And uh, I, I love coming back because it really does feel uh, just like home. Um, I, I get to see a lot of old students. I get to see a lot of old elders. I get to see a lot of people I lived life with and did ministry together with for a long time. And it's just good to be back. It really is. Uh, so over with the sappy stuff. Today, we're continuing our, our, our series in uh, a series called One. And we're talking today about being, um, having a one mission at a church, and what does that look like? Um, as, a, as a functional community, we should have, and we should be talking about and learning about how to come together and to be a part of a missional community, and we are all going together as one community. So what you guys have been doing is you've been studying this, this one scripture in Acts 2, and we're going to read it together once again, and I hope it's ingrained in your brain at this point, because you've heard it like six or seven times. So this, we're going to read it one more time together um, as we end this series. So this is what it says. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The main point is this, that the blessing from God will come when it aligns with him alone. This group of scriptures is a really popular scripture amongst our Restoration Movement Christian churches. We love reading the scripture over and over again because it gives kind of a, a symbol and kind of a structure on how we're supposed to have our churches. It gives it a very, very simple way of doing church. If we just follow what the scripture says, imagine that, then we will be able to have church the way that God, attend, or God designed it to be which I love. That's the reason that I joined this specific church. Um, Catalyst is, is this church. We, we, we have tried our best to go along with this scripture. Everything that we do here kind of goes around this scripture in Acts 2. And because it's designed that way, therefore Elevate Christian Church is the way it is as well. It doesn't matter who the leader is. It doesn't matter who the elders are. If we make sure that we perform within this context, if we live within this context, then we will be going through and with God's will to the best of our ability. But at the end of the message, it says this, and this is what we're going to talk about today. It says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Metrics in the church aren't everything. We, us ministers, we like to talk about metrics whenever we go to minister conferences. The very first question they ask is, how's the church doing? How many people do you have? It's like the very first thing that you ask, they ask every single time. Now, metrics aren't everything. Now, if your church is growing and more people are coming every year, that's probably a good sign rather than people uh, leaving year after year. But if the scripture was all about metrics, then why are so many churches in decline? Why are, so, why are some churches 
stagnant. They're not growing at all. And why are there some churches that are growing astronomically year after year in a good, healthy way, in a way? Why are these, why are those, and why are there so many different churches, why are there so many different vast majority of congregations all around the world? If the scripture was all about metrics, then I think then we would all be growing, right? But we're not. So let's look at it. Let's compare to what scripture says, and when it says God added to their number daily, this is what they were doing. They, they devoted themselves to God. They devoted themselves to the scriptures. They devoted each other to what the, the apostles were teaching. And on top of that, once they figured that out, they sold things. They met together in, in specific places. They invited people into their homes. They enjoyed each other's company. Not because of who these people were or their accomplishments, but just because they had faith in Jesus Christ. That's why they met together. But we notice that about all of these, and all of these things here, are not about ourselves. They're actually external responses to the gospel message, correct? That when you ever read this, this scripture, uh, a lot of the time we see that God is first and others are second. And we teach that here, right? Like, that's, that's, an, that's an obvious thing. We even teach that in our elementary schools in a way. You know, value others above yourself. But in, in church, we say, well, we're going to put one above that. We're going to have God first. We're going to put him first. We're going to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. We're going to devote ourselves to Scripture. We're going to devote ourselves to breaking the bread to make sure Christ is the center of everything we do. And then we're going to sell everything, and we're going to take care of each other. We're going to put others, others second. We're going to invite each other, each other into our, our lives and saying, what, what mine is yours? And that seems like a pretty reasonable thing, right? That seems, that seems like a good formula that we're supposed to do. God first, others second. But here's where we mess up. We, we mess up when we put ourselves in that formula. Whenever we look at the scripture, ourselves and us as individuals are not a part of that. You have God at first as the helm, and then you have others as the second. As soon as we add ourselves, the motives change completely. The reason we do the things that we do changes completely. When our motives slightly change, even just a little bit, I've learned that it is impossible to elevate God and yourself at the same time. You just can't do it. The good news is, is we have a great example in the gospel message about the disciples going through this exact same thing. So today we're going to be in Luke 9. It's, it's a very, very long chapter. But what this, what this chapter starts out with is Jesus encouraging the 12 to go do ministry. This chapter is, is a discipleship model chapter, which I love to teach on. I love to put in front of people because you see the disciples go from followers of Jesus and they are slowly transformed and molded into disciples of Jesus. And the first part about doing that is Jesus gives them a challenge and he sends out the 12. So it says this in Luke 9, 1 through 2, it says this, When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all the demons and cure all diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, which is, the, which is really cool. I think. And they were so effective at this. They were so good at this whenever they went into these towns and to heal the sick and to proclaim the kingdom of God. They were so good that the king heard about it through his second hand. That they were, they were making such an impact that the people thought that Elijah, the prophet, had come back to life. 
And they were even, even more good and even, even more effective that they said, this might even be John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, came back to life. Now what they don't say in this scripture is that both of these people were so much impactful that this would have scared the king half to death. If you remember, Elijah was the guy who king killed 450 prophets of Baal. And John the Baptist was the guy that he actually killed himself. So if his messengers went to him and said, hey, look, these two guys have come back to life and they're proclaiming the kingdom of God, the king would have been shaking in his boots in this moment. But Jesus gave his disciples the authority to heal, to cure diseases, to drive out demons, and to proclaim the kingdom of God. Then this story takes a turn when they're presented with a demon-possessed kid. See, there's this father in the story who had a, a son that had been demon-possessed, and he so desperately wanted his son to be healed, just like all of us would want that to happen. So what they did is that the first thing they did, they saw some people that could make this happen. They go over to the disciples, and, and, the, and the father says, can you heal my son? And they try to heal him, and they just couldn't do it. And they send the kid away because they could not heal his son. But the father, because he is, the, he is a good father and he wants the best for his son, goes and finds Jesus and says, can you heal my son? And Jesus, of course, says yes and performs this amazing miracle of taking out this demon from this kid. And at this moment, everybody was, was filled with awe and wonder at the very signs of what Jesus did. It says that the people marveled at what Jesus did. They were, they were completely mind-blown as a modern translation of that, of what Jesus did. But while this was going on, everyone's pumped about it. I can just envision Jesus' name just being chanted over and over, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, you're the best. Jesus, come to my, you know, just over and over again of people just falling down, just marveling at how great Jesus is. While that was going on, there's something else going along with the disciples in this moment. It says this in 9, 46 through 48. An argument started among the disciples at which, as to which, which one of them was the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child that had, been, that had him stand beside him, then he said to them, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you, all who is the greatest. So Jesus, knowing good and well what they were doing, knowing good and well what they were just arguing about, knowing their thoughts decided to do something to show them that their motives matter. See, in this scripture, it doesn't make any sense why they couldn't drive out this kid's demon. At the beginning of this chapter, it says that they, they were given authority to do this, to heal people, to drive, out, to drive out demons, to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God. And whenever this father brings the kid who is demon-possessed, they could not heal him. It doesn't make any sense. Unless, if they were to heal this sick kid, it wouldn't be God that got all the glory, but it would be them. And we know that because while this was going on, they were just arguing who the greatest was. We know that our motives matter 
when it comes to our relationship with Christ. Our motives matter when it comes to being the church. So what Jesus did is he took that kid that he just took the demon out of, and he places the kid next to him, knowing good and well that these disciples that are supposed to heal the sick and proclaim the kingdom of God just turn this kid away. Jesus grabs the kid, put him beside him, and said, you want to be the best? Whoever welcomes this kid. Whoever, whoever welcomes this kid in my name, not your name, my name, is the greatest among you. But here's the thing. Why do we do that? Why do we take something that's so great, that's supposed to be so good, and then we make it about ourselves? Why do we do that? It seems like every single time, whenever something's going well in the church, whenever, whenever a ministry's going really well, it, it, it always starts to decline because of our motives just, just are slightly off. Yeah, we still give glory to God. We, we come here and we praise him. We take communion. We give so that ministry can happen. But there's, there's just this little part of us every single time that the motives are just slightly off. Here's my thought with biblical backing. Maybe the reason for the decline of so many churches or the lack of generational spiritual growth in churches is because our motives are wrong. And therefore, God does not give to those with wrong motives. Or God will stop if wrong motives are presented. You know why the early church grew so much? It's because they were different. Like nothing anyone had ever seen before. They did things that didn't make sense to the world because they were following something that was not from this world. Here's this great picture that we have of, of the church, of the early church. In 1 Peter 1, 13 through 16, it says this, Therefore, with their minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy... So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy, God said. See, what holy means is just to be set apart, to be different than, than everybody else, to be, to, be, to be outside of the norm of the world. And even Romans says to transform your mind and not conform to the patterns of this world. This idea of being holy, being different, being set apart making sure that you are absolutely different from the world is at the forefront of our minds from all through Scripture. It's a common theme in Scripture. And I believe a church that is focused on this model, a church that is different, God will make them a catalyst between lost people and His Son. God will make them a catalyst between lost people and His Son. A church that is different, a church that is holy, a church with the right motives, God will add to their number daily because they're following the model that is in Scripture. And we see even throughout the, the entire Bible, God uses people who are against the grain. 
God used people that were not like the world. And you have these outrageous stories like Noah and the ark, where the world said, why are you building a boat? It's never rained before. We never had waters before. And he said, no, I need to build a boat. This is, he was different. You have Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow down to the norms of this world. You have David and Elijah and Rahab who refused to follow the king's command and made sure that the, that the spies were saved so that God's kingdom can be furthered. You have Deborah. And you have, so many different, you have so many more people in the scriptures. Those people who understood one thing that we have maybe slightly forgotten in the church. They understood what God was trying to do. See, what God isn't trying to do is he's not trying to make us more famous. He's not trying to grow our churches for growing churches' sake. He's not trying to build our budgets so that we can fix up old buildings or that we can pay ministers more or we can, make, we can rent bigger and better things and we can make our stages bigger and our noise louder. That is not what God is trying to do. What they understood was that God is trying to save their lives. And because of that, they were going to go against everything in the world to follow God. I, have a, I would like to, I'm going to say end my sermon, but I have a lot to say, so don't get excited. <laughs> I'd like to share my testimony with you guys to end my sermon. The, the specific testimony at which this scripture applies to my current life and when I was here for so long. And why this scripture, and I love that Dave let me speak on this, but I, I, that this scripture means so much. And without this scripture, and without this mindset, and without our right motives, that we will fail so fast. But with the right motives, and, and with following scripture, that we really can thrive and God will add to our numbers daily. See, out of college, me and my wife... We're a wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, looking for a church. We were looking for the right place to, 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 to settle and to start ministry. And, and we had offers um, through multiple churches throughout this side of the United States. Uh, and I had been waiting uh, for a while um, because my wife had to finish school, and I, I, I stayed there with her because I, I did want to get married to her. I didn't want to do the long-distance thing. So because of that, I had to stay an extra year in college. Um, so I was really ready to be away from college after being there for five years. So, but we decided to take a part-time job here at Catalyst Christian Church, May of 2015. Why a part-time job in the middle of nowhere in Nicholsville? Because this church was different. And I felt, and, we, and, I, and I feel the love and the oneness of this church that I, that I saw in Acts 2. A mission of Acts 2, 42 through 47, where there, was no, where there was no focus on church meetings. There was no focus on committees. There wasn't 600,000 missionaries that we supported, but we just focused on one or two. That there was this, this stripped away of, of all different things in this in normal church, and we just focused on one thing, which was community. And I'd never seen that before. What this church did, what this, what, what this did for the church 
was like nothing I'd ever seen at a church before. And when I had a meeting with John Kelly, he explained this mission to me, and I absolutely fell in love with the mission. It didn't matter how much we were getting paid. It didn't matter if I had security. But I saw a church that was fulfilling Scripture, and I had to be a part of it. One of my life missions, and what I say often, is if you want to be with God, just find out where God is moving and go there. And I saw that in this church. A church where people hung out throughout the week. A church that actually cared about the needs of foster care. A church, a church where status and accomplishments didn't matter. Where you could not tell the difference between the, the millionaire businessman and the janitor or the ice cream shop worker. A church where sermons didn't suck. That was nice. A church where all the believers were together and they had everything in common. Where they sold property and possessions and gave to anyone in need. And everyone, every day, they continued to meet together in temple courts. They broke bread in each other's home and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And when I saw that, we dove completely headfirst in it. What we did is we started a community group. Now some of, I, I think about 50% of you guys are in community groups now, and this is a plea for that movement. So we started a community group uh, with five other people in our group, and we absolutely fell in love with the process of it. And we, we met together in our tiny little apartment, and, and our purpose was to live life together because we all love Jesus. That's why we did it. And we had one rule. We're going to have fun in the name of Jesus. That was our one rule. So we started doing everything together. We started having vacations together. We went to each other's kids' games. When something came up, we all pitched in or tried to help out to the best of our abilities. We were with each other at the start of our kids' school, with the start, with the start of buying our first homes. We were there with each other through breakups and engagements and deaths and miscarriages. And that one rule slowly started to add to it. We're going to have fun in the name of Jesus but we are also going to love each other because of Jesus. What started with five people in my small apartment grew over six years, and God multiplied that into two groups of about 25 people, all meeting together throughout the week, all taking care of each other, all breaking bread with each other, and we were together because of the love that we have for Jesus and nothing else. My favorite quote of one of, my, one of our members um, when I was here at Catalyst, he said, I go to this church because that's where my friends are. And I love that. We, we're not perfect. That sounds like a great thing to be a part of, but we're not perfect. We have arguments. We get butt hurt. We throw stuff at each other sometimes. For those who, don't, for those who know Ian and Jonathan, I've wanted to kill them more than I've ever wanted to before at multiple times in my life. But it's <laughs> nice. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the mission of Acts 2 is stronger than our own personal feelings and motives. So here's what God has done. We took those 25 people and a few more, and we went down the road to Lexington and we planted a church with the goal of elevating people towards Christ. That was our main goal. 
And we were going to accomplish that through community groups and meeting together. In one and a half years, God took those 25 plus a few and has expanded that to 85 people. You want to be, if you want to be a one mission centered church, remember this the blessing of God will come when it aligns with Him and Him alone. So here's my challenge to you all. Starting today, you as an individual, I encourage you to dive into that Acts 2 mindset of church. You already attend and you already go to a church where the elders and the staff are aligned with this. And if you and an individual have not dove into that yet, I encourage you to do so. For some of you, it's a scary thing. Because, because when you dive into an Acts 2 church, the things that you own and the things that you think you control are no longer your own. For some of you, it might be a scary thing because of maybe your cha- past church history. Maybe it didn't go too well. Maybe this is your first church coming to in a long time because of the past experiences of church. And diving into a relationship with people in the church just seems like a really scary thing. Maybe you're somebody that loves your stuff. And you love your money. And you love building your own little kingdom in your home. And you like having your things and it's all neat and there's no dust on them or anything. There's no scuffs anywhere in your home because the kids aren't running around with toys and chucking things against the wall. But here's the thing. I can guarantee you that there will be no greater joy in your life than if you dive into this Acts 2 that we've been talking about for the past six years. I promise that you will never regret joining a community group and joining a group and inviting people into your home with the purpose of living life together. Because nobody needs to do life by by themselves. In fact, probably the hardest times in our life is when we removed ourselves from our community and tried to do it on our own. Because facing other people just seemed more difficult than doing life together. My testimony and the rest of this series comes together because right now, you guys are between 50 and 60% of community groups. And I encourage you today, if you've been on the fence about joining one, John Kelly, where are you at? He's up there. I can, I can see a figure. Everybody turn around and look at John Kelly. John, John Kelly is the most important minister here right now. Okay? <laughs> John Kelly, John Kelly, John Kelly. You got it? John Kelly. John Kelly's the most important minister. If you've been on the fence about joining a community group, if you've been on, a, on the fence about joining this church in general, about going through Catalyst, what is it, Starting Point, sorry, that's an old name, Starting Point, and joining a community group, please go do that today. You won't regret it. It will change your life. It will change the purpose of your life. It will give you meaning to your life, and you will never experience God in the same way than with your friends at your church. So as you leave today, please go talk to him, and he will get you connected with a group that best fits you today. I want to thank you guys for allowing me to come back, and I pray that Dave being at at Elevate Christian Church and me being a catalyst really combines our church together because, yes, we are here a one-church mission, but we also have another church down the road, and together we are making sure that we are an Acts 2 church. And God is adding to our number daily because we stay in the mindset of an Acts 2 church.
and we pray together as elders to make sure that we, our selfishness and our desires do not come into this church because we know that if our motives change just slightly and we go away from God first and people second, then God will stop the, the, being the catalyst between believers and non-believers. So I, I'm going to ask you guys all to stand in this moment. And I ask it that you would join in prayer that we continue to stay in Acts 2 Church. I'm also going to pray for both of our individual churches to make sure that us as individuals make sure that God always stays first. And the best of our ability, people stay second. Others stay second. And that we remove ourselves because we know that our motives matter and the blessing of God will come when it aligns with him and not of ourselves. So God, I want to thank you so much for us being able to just come here freely and worship you. God, we see at the beginning of, of Acts that the only reason that churches grew, the only reason people were saved, the only people the only reason people were healed, the only, people, the only reason people got removed from their current situation and they were filled with the Holy Spirit was because it aligned with you and you alone. God, I ask that we take the, the, the examples in Luke and we take the examples in, in Acts and we move forward as a church with one mission and not 650,000 individual missions of people trying to get their own. But God, us as a church... At Catalyst and Elevate, I pray that us as a combining church look at you in everything that we do. That we make sure that you are first. We make sure we take care of each other, of those who are in the church. God, I ask that you stay with us and you guide us through this year and years to come. That we continue to make an impact. And God, please, I ask that you continue to bring people to us so that we can show them your son that through them they will be saved. God, you are so good. I do believe that. In season and out of season, you are good. And I ask this all in your son's name. Amen. Guys, thank you so much for allowing me to come back and, and see you guys again. You guys have a great week. And we'll see you next Sunday.